This is Sully Dog, the reviews editor for Escape Pod. Today, I'd like you to welcome Raymond Aish, our new book reviewer. Raymond is a longtime friend of myself and Steve. He's a science fiction writer of considerable talent and an all-around good guy. He's also a hell of a critic. Steve and I both know from painful personal experience that if your story has a flaw in it, Raymond is going to find it. He's going to start his escape pod career today with his review of Echelon by Josh Conviser. Raymond? Hello, I'm Raymond Aish. Today I'll be talking about Echelon, a first novel by Josh Conviser. I'll give a few spoilers, but I'll leave the biggest secret, the nature of the MacGuffin, unspoiled. The novel takes place sometime in the late 21st century. Several catastrophes have hit the planet. Global warming washed away the ground floors of buildings in Miami and Venice Beach. A brush fire turned into a conflagration that destroyed Colorado. Aerosolized, instant-incubating HIV killed almost all the people of Thailand one morning. And overpopulation is manifested by skyscraper apartments stretching from Los Angeles to Death Valley. Despite all this, the world is peaceful and ordered by the machinations of Echelon, a secret society that uses data mining, targeted assassination, and media manipulation to manage technological innovation and stifle dissent while keeping its own existence a rumor. In case you're wondering, yes, the echelon of the novel is explicitly stated to be a descendant of the U.S. National Security Agency's echelon program of electronic eavesdropping and data mining. Convisor's extrapolation of the post-9-11 national security state to something broader and more dangerous has a topical appeal to libertarians and anti-Bushites, but libertarians of the Hayek-Popper tradition will find it unlikely that a central planner, no matter how good its algorithms and its data management, could control the world so flawlessly. Your mileage, of course, may vary. Now to the story. Brian Lang is an Echelon field agent who, after a fatal accident, is resurrected by nanotechnology at the behest of Echelon's director, Christopher Turing. His resurrection leaves drones in Ryan's body that both allow him to heal very quickly from wounds and also to electronically communicate with Sarah, an Echelon analyst he's never met. Soon after, Ryan and Sarah become embroiled in a struggle within Echelon's leadership involving Turing and Jason Sachs, both of whom have their designs on the MacGuffin that turned our world's Echelon into that of the novels. His biography says Convisor writes for Hollywood, and one can see this in the slam-bang, world-spanning action and some visually arresting events that may look good on a movie screen a few summers from now. Unfortunately, the novel is trapped in a no-man's land between the techno-thriller and science fiction genres, and its literary qualities aren't strong enough to lift it out. Considering Echelon as an SF novel reminded me of writer Benjamin Rosenbaum's suggestion that the primary locus of reader pleasure in SF is world-building. We can all think of SF novels where the society in which they take place is dense with details that show the setting isn't a soundstage, but a world. Consider Dune, Snow Crash, or The Book of the New Sun. A blurb attributed to Patrick Radden Keefe says Echelon is, quote, in the William Gibson mode, unquote. But Neuromancer took place in a thick world in which the reader could tell the hackers, gangsters, and assorted lowlife who trudged Chiba City and the underside of the sprawl shared their world with scientists and corporate arcologies, soul-dead suburbanites, and Zaibatsu executives. The world of Echelon, in contrast, is as thin as a James Bond movie. The cast comprises secret agents, a few street thugs and lowlifes, and a handful of rich rogues with exquisite taste. If you're looking for an SF novel that explores just what would happen to people across the social spectrum if an organization like Echelon existed, you won't find it here. 
What, then, is the primary locus of reader pleasure in the techno-thriller genre? I would submit nuts and bolts verisimilitude. Stephen King speculates in his nonfiction book, On Writing, that writers like Tom Clancy appeal to people who feel guilty for reading fiction, but rationalize reading Clancy because they get to learn how a Soviet nuclear submarine functions. King's comment reminds me of details about the suspension of an early 1960s Jaguar convertible, or the assembly of a Soviet tactical nuke, that I picked up reading Frederick Forsyth novels 20 years ago. But if technical accuracy is a requirement for a successful techno-thriller, Echelon falls short here as well. You don't need a PhD in biochemistry to realize HIV that kills in minutes is laughable. Also, every computer system in the novel, including the MacGuffin, runs on Hollywood operating system. If you remember Jeff Goldblum writing code on his Mac that infected the aliens' computers with a virus in Independence Day, you know what I mean. In Echelon, software and hardware work perfectly. Rebuilding a very complicated piece of software, when only half the code survives, takes three man days, but writing the entire program from scratch is impossible. Words like encryption and code are used as talismans to persuade a computer illiterate reader into suspending his disbelief. Tom Clancy can get away with occasional technobabble because we assume almost all his other facts are accurate. Echelon doesn't earn enough trust from the reader to do the same. Maybe Echelon is well written enough to make the genre crossing work? Sadly, no. The novel's voice oscillates between overwrought and banal. Also, the reader suffers from Conviser's research. Did you know the Los Angeles Concert Hall is named for Walt Disney and was designed by Frank Gehry? Did you know Thailand was once called Siam? Did you know these facts have nothing to do with the story? The novel has its share of clichés. I've already mentioned the James Bond cast. The cliché that elicited my worst groan was a character suffering an injury in virtual reality that carried over to the flesh. Speaking of characters, Ryan as the wisecracking hero could have been plucked from any of a dozen summer blockbuster movies. Sarah is at least more intelligent than most female characters in action movies. However, as she is all of an expert computer jockey, the angelic basis for a rock band, an elegant dresser, and an oversexed bisexual, she resembles a female character from Robert Heinlein's Dirty Old Man phase. Further, despite her intelligence and Ryan's decades of field experience, and aware the bad guys observing them at their current location, they leave the weakest member of their party alone with the MacGuffin and traipse hundreds of miles away. I believe the term for this is idiot block. In summary, although I won't fault Convisor for writing, and I'm speculating here, a novel based on a sci-fi action script he has in development, you're better off leaving this book on the shelf and waiting until 2012 to stream the movie to your home theater system. I'm Raymond Eich for Escape Pod. Thanks for listening.